0: Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm
1: Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencer Podcast. Welcome back to part two of Leadership During a Crisis. It's an emergency! I'm just joking. (laughs)
0: I, no. uh, you know, bro it's funny that we divided this because it really fits into number seven. So if you're ready, we can get right into number seven if you're ready.
1: <laughs> I think we will. Uh, Ed, just real quick, though, if for those of you, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, that's part one. You may want to get into that, dive in that for a moment, then come yeah. back to this one. Okay. So it, you can listen to them separately. It's okay. But we may reference back to that. So, hey back and
0: forth ed you want to hit us up with number seven i I am because i've been trying to figure out how to do this so it's not a major problem well it was so we had a problem brian we were trying to figure out man there's so much content you know how do we get this in and not do a three-hour show and what we did is we divided our major problem into two smaller trunks or chunks trunks (laughs) two smaller chunks (laughs) which was episode (laughs) 70 in episode seventy-one. So uh number seven to get us started today, Brian is divide major problems into smaller chunks. Man, I did it again. <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> tricky words. Divide major problems into smaller chunks, and I know you're not going to take that out there. I've already, I'm already accepting that. <laughs> but accept uh, it. it. It's your fate. So <laughs> number seven, Brian, give workers bits of major problems to work on, so they feel less overwhelmed by the adversity facing them and the company so when you have a team i think that this is really good because you want to give everybody a piece of the pie but you don't want to give steve too much of the pie because you could overwhelm steve and we did an episode called burnout is a real thing right and that's what you're going to do to steve especially when it's something major because you know we've already talked Mm -hmm. before in the previous episode we talked about hey what's the definitions and everybody needs to kind of look at the wording and say okay that's you know, my idea of major might not be the same idea as Brian's of major, but um, and we did talk about a lot of ca- uh, catastrophic things And right now. The, yeah, the kind of the lead into this episode was because currently we're in the midst of this COVID-19 thing. So we decided to do this. So but I think if you take your team, your organization and you divide it, you know, I, I wrote here in my notes, divide and conquer. And that's what we're trying to do now, right? We're trying to divide and conquer and flatten the curve. But, uh, yeah, so um, I think it's a good one. And then when an obstacle is framed as too large or complex or too challenging, your workers, they're going to feel overwhelmed, and therefore they're going to kind of like not, well, it says freezing in in their tracks, but, you know, it's going to be discouraging to them. It's going to be hard for them to really give their max effort because they're really not focusing on their effort. They're focusing on how overwhelming this is and, and how mm-hmm. too chal- how it's too challenging. So I think that's very important, Brian.
1: Ed, when I think of divide major problems into smaller chunks, my mind automatically... You remember the movie, The Great Outdoors? Amazing movie. It was a great... Dan Aykroyd and... and uh, John and, Candy. Uh, John, John Candy, yep. And they had a bear. They had the bald spot on but. <laughs> But if you remember correctly, they went out to eat at one point and he asks about the the large steak. I can't remember the name of this steak. Old 96er. Uh, the old ninety sixer. The old man, you are very good at this. You, I love You're gonna John beat me Candy. at that trivia. I can't help it. Oh, I do too. Yeah, he's hilarious. But but if you think about it, so he takes he orders the old 96er. The old ninety sixer is ninety-six ounce steak, which is gargantuan. Yes. It's a huge problem. <laughs> And then if you watch it, he basically sits there and cuts it up in these little tiny bite-sized pieces. Like, (laughs) it takes him forever to eat it. But that's what I think of. I think of, hey, it's kind of like if you're John Candy, you're about to put down that 96-ounce steak. Don't try to just grab the steak and eat the whole day (laughs) going. Cut up little pieces and start and process it. Now, if... You remember correctly though, they did he did finish it. There was a lot of weird gargling noises, but he did finish it. And I think my favorite part of that, and I think about this when it comes to problems. So I'm gonna relate this a little oh, bit. <laughs> at the very at the very end, you remember the the cook or butcher, whatever you want to call him, he's standing over him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says, You're not finished. And it's nothing but grizzle and fat. And Dan Aykroyd goes, you mean you're going to have him eat that? He's not finished. And then Dan Aykroyd, he's like, all right, buddy, you could do this. You could do this. And makes you know they're walking out the door with all their T-shirts and all that stuff. So, so I think about amazing. Oh, yeah, man. great movie. But I think about this. OK, so the larger problem is a steak. And sometimes we don't want to eat the grizzle and the fat or we don't want to deal with certain problems within that larger problem. So we just mm-hmm. set it aside sooner or later the nastiness of the grizzle and fat is going to face us and we got to eat it so yeah Yeah. i just it came to mind man that's that's the first thing i think of when i
0: hear that first of all let's never use that movie again because i love that movie so much i can tell you that their name their brothers and their names is chet and roman um (laughs) i I love that movie man oh i might have to make my wife watch that tonight it is
1: one of my favorite <laughs> yeah i i it's one of my favorite i, I always think of a, good, two good Canadian boys yeah, yeah. <laughs> i always think of it
0: set it on the spin cycle you know that. <laughs> so <laughs> oh man yeah no it so i think divide major problems into smaller chunks brian it does it it just it allows you to manage it better too because you know as you divide those things and and if i give brian his chunk and i give rick his chunk and I give Schmuckatelli his chance. Schmuckatelli may find an underlying issue in his part of the problem that now we got to examine that, you know? So I think that's, it really comes down to me to talent management at that point.
1: Wait a second. You should give Brian his problem, give Schmuckatelli his problem. And then who was the other one?
0: Uh, You know, Rick, the bearded ninja. Are you
1: a man sitting in a restaurant who orders the 96er? We're talking a large steak, ladies and gentlemen. Not any man can do it. We already know it could be done because John Candy did it. But you know who else can do it? It's the bearded ninja. Why? That grizzled jaw with that large beard and that bald head, he douses it with bearded ninja beard bomb. He actually ate the whole steak in one bite. No problem. Grizzle, fat, and everything. That's the Beard and Ninja Beard Bomb, brought to you by our friends at Lifelong Learning Industries. Oh, yeah, Lifelong. <laughs> 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 All right. Hey, I, I just, you know, you brought it up, man. I was just like, you know, small, small chunks, great idea. But that leads me into another situation um, when it's dealing with crisis management. And we, if you remember correctly, and I'm going to reference back to some stuff here from the last show. So if you didn't listen to the last show, go back uh-uh. and listen to it. But we did talk about uh, thinking strategically and leading with compassion. Uh, those are two big elements to this. But at the same time, if we're going to lead, because when we think about, um, we thought about the the idea of leading with the core values, right? So let's say, I'm strategically thinking and I wanna make sure that it's 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 better for the whole organization. And I'm thinking about the capacity of the organization and I wanna hold true to my values at the same time and anyone's core values normally is something to do with integrity. And so our very next one, number eight, it talks about avoiding a circle the wagons type mentality. Mm. And that that to me, Ed, when we talk about circle the wagons, uh I think of you so you take it in history, right? When people were traveling to the, the, the Midwest, to, the, to the, the Western states and whatnot, and, and the frontier days, if they were to be attacked by Native Americans who were, you know, obviously, we look at it differently now than they did then as they were protecting lands and stuff like that. But they would circle their wagons up to create a defensive posture. Yeah. The defensive posture is what's ever inside the wagons you don't shoot at. Everything outside of it you do right? So you don't Mm -hmm. attack internally. Um, What it's saying here is, is don't set up a defensive posture and not take blame for the things that are going on. You have some type, normally, you know, we talk about it with uh, Jocko, we talk about extreme ownership, right? Uh, You got to take ownership on this. You can't circle the wagons completely and try to deny everything and all wrongdoing. You know, Uh, we talked about it right here. It says, the same denial approach is referred to as a maintaining a bunker mentality or stonewalling the problem. Instead of cooperating with other stakeholders in the crisis, the leader takes a defensive posture. And when we take that defensive posture, what we're doing is we may, you know, we may uh, violate our integrity because we don't want to admit wrongdoing. Uh, and, and it may, maybe you don't have wrongdoing, but at the same time, you you want to take ownership of everything that's going on. To me, circle the wagons is a mentality thing, just like it says here, because uh, let's put it this way. Anytime you you try to face somebody with something, you try to like come at them uh, with something they did or whatever, they don't automatically go on the offense. They they go on the defense and be like, no, 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 that's not me. That's your fault, blah, blah, you know what I mean? Instead of approaching them a different direction and saying, Hey, I noticed this. What are your thoughts about this? You know I mean? It's just different aspects of it, but avoiding the whole circle, the wagons mentality. Uh, that's a, that's actually a really key piece to this because I think it's going to help people stick
0: to their core values. What do you think? Yeah. So, you know, with circle, the wagons, of course, and, and then the bunker mentality, you know, I really think about like, um, uh, you know, when you're, you're trying to protect your people, but you're really compromising a mission. So, like, no, 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 no. We're too busy to, you know, give up somebody for tower guard, or I'm too busy to do this or that. And in reality, you're really not. You're really hurting, you know, the organization at that point because you're just defending yourself and your team. Um, yeah. And then deny wrongdoing, man. Like we've already talked about. You, know, you know, you said extreme ownership. That is not going to. Denying wrongdoing is not going to go well. The better way I think is instead of saying, well, we weren't wrong, you were wrong is to kind of come up with where was the miscommunication? Where did the, this thing go wrong that I think you are responsible for? And you're telling me I'm responsible for and in the back of my mind. I know I'm responsible for it. So You got to come off the defensive Mm -hmm. because without when you're on the defensive like that, you're 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 stopping any kind of cooperation within the organization at that point. And that's just it's not good for the big picture.
1: And when you speak of the big picture too, Ed, uh, what comes to my mind also is when an organization as a whole starts circling the wagons, sometimes Mm -hmm. they will shoot within side. And then you create smaller little circle of wagons, so other sections start blaming other each other oh, and yeah. stuff like that, so you yeah. you you could actually create more of an internal conflict than more of an external conflict in that
0: A little organizational fratricide going on, yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly, A little fratricide yeah, no, and i i am I am optimistic that that's not going to turn out well. Well this better be optimi- optimistic than pessimistic. It is.
1: (laughs) Are you saying that you're seeing the glass a little bit more half full
0: or half empty? I'm saying my glass is full. Oh, your glass is full. My my definition of full is different than yours. We've already talked about being unique. (laughs) That we are. But when you're dealing with leadership during a crisis, Brian, you have to display optimism. First of all, I, I have learned throughout my career, there's always the pessimist there's always that guy that this is the worst thing that's ever happened or gal and that is not beneficial in a crisis um you have to have that optimistic leader that we can do this we can accomplish this no so i'm using we reference two episodes ago please uh but (laughs) (laughs) because that's feeding your group and your team and it's helping them to overcome whatever it is you know um I mean, you can go from a a firefight in the streets of Baghdad all the way to the boardroom in your Fortune 500 company. But if you are optimistic, then it's going to build an optimistic culture in your team and it's going to feed into, uh, you know, normally success, Brian. Um, And the effective crisis leader draws action plans that give people hope for a better future as in strategic thinking which was yes. way back in episode 70 so way back like one episode uh yeah you had something brian
1: no i mean i i was hoping you're gonna read that uh comment uh
0: from barbara baker clark because i think that really sets the tone so i really like this uh this quote from uh like you said barbara baker clark and we're yes. talking about displaying optimism Uh, I'm not saying that you have to plaster a stupid grin on your face, even if the bottom line is tanking or people are dying in battle. I'm saying don't wallow in pessimism. Believe it or not, it matters to your employees that you remain reasonably optimistic. It will reduce anxiety and keep everyone motivated. That's the power of leadership. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you think one of the great books that I have read this year in 2020, Uh, lone survivor. Um, You know, if you listen to the book or read the book, it's captured a little bit in the movie, but really in the book, you can catch uh, Marcus Luttrell. So everybody's probably, a lot of people are probably familiar with the story. Navy seal whole team gets killed, right? There's like four of them, but he is optimistic the whole time that his people are coming to get him. And honestly, that is probably the difference between him dying and giving up and him actually surviving that ordeal is his uh, optimism and in the book he also talks about his twin brother and people are like hey you know he's probably dead and he's like he's not dead I've been talking to him in my head but he was he was optimistic that yeah. he is fine you know he wasn't he was far from fine but you know he he was alive and that helped motivate his mother and their loved ones and their church family to you know maintain yeah. hope for Marcus so I, I think that that's another good illustration of what Barbara Clark is talking about here.
1: Absolutely. Two points here, Ed. First thing, yeah. I think you gave one of the greatest examples, especially a lone survivor, of crisis management. Literally. I mean, oh, that, that was guy was being chased. <laughs> yes. Yeah. His, his, his entire team was uh, taken out, uh, and he survived. I mean, we're talking about some just unbelievable falls in the mountains. Man. We're talking about broken bones. We're, I mean, dehydration. Uh, he lost and his britches. I mean, lost his britches. You were glad yeah. to say that. I know you were. I but like britches is a f- fun word. <laughs> it is. It is. I um when some, some time back, uh I remember <laughs> I can't remember where I was at, but I'd mentioned some I noticed a soldier was acting a little bit uh Uppity and better than everyone else, and I said, "Getting a little bit, a little bit big for your britches, for aren't your you?" Bridges? And I don't remember who it was. Somebody whipped around and said, "Where did you hear that from?" I was like, "I heard that all my life. What are you talking yeah. about? What do you mean? <laughs> so, Where,
0: why haven't you heard that? Yeah,
1: why? Well, yeah, what is wrong with you and your family situation? <laughs> There's a crisis right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I definitely, um, I would, I would have to just say that if people haven't read." lone survivor yet so they good. they really need to um li- right you can watch the movie if you want that's fine but read it or listen to the audiobook i think it's going to give you a little bit more um look into what was going on um and the second point is is i think to uh, transition into a good podcast to listen to a gr- actually a great i think they're better than us is the team never quit oh, and yeah. what they oh because I think about a lot of the examples and the in, in the stuff that they talk about and the people they bring onto the show, you can see a lot of what we're talking about with crisis management incorporated in those people's lives, mm-hmm. whether it be dealing with a bigger situation or a smaller family situation. And then, you know, like on some of the episodes, many of the episodes they bring, like they talk about somebody's own personal uh, team never quit situation. And th- to me, those are just as moving. So I recommend if if you're a listener of us, uh, you enjoy what we do. I think you're really gonna like the Marcus, uh, you know, Marcus Sutrell, and I think his wife's on it too, and and his brother uh, Morgan, his twin. Yep, his brother. Yep, and just listen to Team Never Quit. Great show, wonderful show. Now I have to warn you, if you're not into some salty language, it does get thrown. There's some there's some words there here and there thrown out. Uh, but
0: I super think you can look past
1: that. No, it's not. It's not it's you know yeah. it's not clean but it's not it's not like nasty salty it's not gr- it's just terms that's all and if you look past that i think you can actually get the deeper meaning of things um and personally uh, Ed, i think i feel like that like that that show in general is displaying optimism it it's full it, the show is nothing but about optimism because it's the, mm-hmm. just the idea of never quit team never quit um we have a it's funny. We have, there's a show, there's a YouTube channel that I watch team Richie. Um, and it's, it's a CrossFit one, right? But it's, it's a, he's a vlogger and he does a lot of different stuff and I enjoy it. And one of the little sayings at the end, um, it pops up when he's done. Cause he, he, he does very good at producing these and it says we don't quit. And um, Ethan, he, he's, uh, seen it a couple of <laughs> times, right? And he knows as soon as he knows that we don't quit thing. And I, I try to instill that in him the whole way we don't quit buddy, no matter what, you know, that type of thing. Um, I think that type of optimism helps, uh, another thing that has worked for me, Ed, uh, and you've probably seen it also with you is just encouraging people at what they're doing is they're doing a good job. Right. In in a crisis, you know, You'd be surprised how people's attitudes can change really quick in a crisis when you reassure them that they're doing a fine job. They're doing a great job. Keep it up. You know, that keep it up helps, all right? So especially as a leader. So I I have to agree with uh, what Barbara Clark said there.
0: Yeah, and like I said, as soon as I read it, man, real quick, you know, the lone survivor thing. If you've only seen the movie, if you read the book, I read the book, like I said, in fact, just a couple weeks ago. While cooking dinner over two nights, I I listened to the entire book on Audible. And it it is like a completely different thing from the movie. The movie is very good. It's well done. Marcus was involved with it. But when you get the book and you can hear the emotion in Marcus's voice, or you can hear the emotion in his words, it is so much different. So, but that is a good podcast. I mean, you could really take a lot of the people they have on there. Take the things we're talking about today and, and on the last episode, write then, write down, just write down the headings that we're telling you, and then go listen to her podcast, and you would be like, check, check, check. Yep, that's how they dealt with this crisis. Like, for the most part, you're going to see, like, mm-hmm. okay, they were effective. And some of them, I mean, Marcus's situation was really, really bad. There are people that I have heard on that show that have survived even worse crises than – Falling down a mountain in Afghanistan by yourself while you're being hunted by the Taliban. So, just uh, I, yeah. yeah, and not just one or two, not one or two. We're talking about like
1: a battalion yes. size,
0: yes, a hundred plus, <laughs> and still fighting. Oh, easily.
1: <laughs> yes. And, yeah. 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 And so yeah. you know, it's just it's incredible. Uh, but you know, displaying optimism is important. But you know what I really find important, Ed? Planning planning is important and i find that planning is so important that i think we're going to talk about it That's are we going to talk
0: about one. planning i don't remember that
1: please share brian <laughs> uh, <laughs> well hey so one of the biggest problems with uh disasters is people don't plan on some type of disaster no so let, you and i we both lived in tennessee ed right and for quite a while and we've had our fair share of tornadoes oh yes come through the area now no, it didn't directly hit my house or it didn't directly hit your house. But did you have what they called a safe place in your house
0: right. during for tornadoes? So I I have to full disclosure because if not, I'll get called out. My wife is big on this because we lived in Texas too, in central Texas. So this is another big threat there for these things, right? My wife is big on having a space. However, Brian, I am six foot four. 265 pounds I am not getting in the linen closet I can't fit in the <laughs> linen closet I'm not getting in there so my wife gets frustrated with me because she literally when we were in Texas it was so nice of her because she was looking out for me she woke me up with our dog which we had a blue healer so this was like a medium sized dog and wanted me to get in the closet with her and I was like yeah I'll lay in the hallway I am not late in the middle of the night I'm not getting up getting in that closet so Yes, my wife always had a safe place identified for us. I did not always actively participate in her uh her her attempts to put me in there, but it worked out for me so up to now. <laughs> yeah Brother, I am in the same boat as too. you um uh,
1: My wife has always been the planner in that in that type of disaster planning, and
0: sometimes I don't fall. I just go outside and watch it <laughs> I, yeah see that's so, when, when we move to Florida, you know. that's like the Florida thing to do is watch the hurricane come but but there is a it is a good idea Brian to have i mean it could be as simple as you know you know like right now we all know right? I really should have stocked up on toilet paper. Like, there's, there's certain <laughs> well, things, no one saw that coming. Yeah, there's certain of course, things I'm with still- COVID, man, that we were like, oh, wow, we really should have stocked up on these things. But I think that, you know, the situation that brings us to this episode today with the COVID-19, it really, it, it didn't gain a lot of traction right away. And people, a lot of people pushed it to the side and didn't want to plan, didn't want to plan until really Italy started spiraling out of control. I feel like that was a turning point for a lot of people and then the States. Like once New York started really having a lot of issues, so the the planning was a little late. It's hard to plan for something like a virus to spread like that, you know. Oh yeah, it's easy to say, hey, there's a hurricane going to hit the eastern coast of Florida. You live there, you see it coming. Probably should exactly. evacuate or hunker down and prepare. But a virus is very like so. What we're facing now is a little, I think, is unique. Again, I've said that before, but it is really a different kind of challenge. Yeah, exactly. But I'm I'm just gonna it
1: out there i still don't understand the toilet paper thing um and kind of it's upsetting when you walk in the commissary and the aisle is completely bare of toilet paper you're like but what if i do need toilet? but what if i do you know it's like people can't just grab one roll and leave you know type of thing um plus i like using wipes so i'm i'm kind of a wet wipe kind of guy
0: we're, we're we're crossing over in the tmi now brian
1: oh my bad uh so no but yeah. i mean so <laughs> So we think about this. But let's uh let's put this in a different let's reframe this cuz we're talking big picture crisis um for like a natural disaster. So let's I'm I'm just going to throw it out there. Let's say that we
0: had um, winter driving.
1: Let's say we have we have like a small snowstorm, man. You know, um if we're not prepared to drive in the winter and we haven't made some type of disaster planning, for instance, winter driving. You, I'm not saying you're gonna get an accident, but at some point, what if you're somewhere where your car breaks down? Um, mm-hmm. do you have a way to keep warm? Do you have some type of lights? Do you I mean, Blanket. do you have yeah. blankets? Do you have communication? Do you have water if you need well water may be frozen if it's in the car? Um, but it's things like that. You know, we uh we have I, I'm not joking, Ed. Uh I've I've got MREs in my garage in a tough bin that I've had for a while they may be expired i don't know i'll have to figure that out um yeah it'll buff out yeah you know it'll buff out sooner or later but but
0: but, you're, but there is it's important to have something brian it's important yeah. to have you know um, yeah. um so the one great thing here in europe is yeah it's not optional you will have roadside triangles you will have safety vest like there's certain things that in your vehicle you're going to have they make you have it and it's law so those are great for disaster planning for if there is an accident um my wife and i we spent a lot of time in fort drum new york and you know kitty litter in the car which i'll come back to kitty litter but kitty litter in the car um you know you'll have blankets you'll have some kind of beverage and so water yes water will freeze however if you're stranded and you put that water in your armpits you can get it to you know to kind of thaw out so these are things that you you think about at drum you really do and the kitty litter thing is, you have to understand how to use it because I just watched that seventy show when Red made, you know, kept telling Eric, "Hey, use the kitty litter," and he couldn't remember for what. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But these are things. So that's planning. I mean, is it a disaster like a hurricane? No, but there are steps you can take. But it is planning for just in case because, hey, I'll tell you, in upstate New York, roads close. They will close the highway in a heartbeat, and you aren't going anywhere. Guess where you're gonna be in your car so you need to be prepared for that yeah and and so
1: i find it funny because I, I i think of another franchise of movies uh that i relate to this that you will very much relate Uh-oh. to and when it comes to crisis through disaster planning and the Harry movie Potter. no no oh. the the <laughs> movies and or the many movies there is no disaster planning and there's lots of disaster and it just makes it comedic. But I want to talk about the National Anthem's different vacations, Christmas vacation, (laughs) all those. To me, it's like that is a movie teaching you about Murphy and disaster planning. And, you know, just like those are the extreme ends of things. But road trips, I mean, Road trips, uh, yeah! it's like you don't really think about things unless you actually plan for it. I didn't plan on having, you know, I talked about it last episode. I didn't plan on having a flat tire, not once, but twice on the U-Haul trailer that I was pulling, right? Yeah. But I was prepared for them. And I was prepared because, one, I got the insurance. I said, you know what? I'm getting the insurance no matter what. Um, and two, I had we had communication, means of communication if there was any type of incident between the two vehicles, because we had two vehicles and three, makes I, sense. what's that?
0: No, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, and then the third one was I made sure that the little rental policy with a phone number on it, did you call the insurance and all that jazz? It was sitting in a certain spot. So I knew as soon as if something were to happen, boom, it's right there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it's just small things helped us through that situation. You know, and it's just it goes through. But you think about think about your favorite movies of National Lampoon. Like how much planning actually went into it? <laughs> Clark doesn't plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he says.
0: We're just gonna yeah. wing it. We're just gonna live.
1: You know, Vegas vacation. Yeah. Come on.
0: <laughs> oh man, you are on a roll with movie references that just pull on my little heartstrings today, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, hey man, movies to me. I think you know we've you you
1: said it just like I have because we even did a, we did a, a show on the movies situation. But I think it's oh, kind of like the a gateway. It helps um, if you want to really if we want to d- dive into disaster planning. We could always talk about Tiger King all day long.
0: <laughs> no, no, we will not jump on that bandwagon. No, it's, oh, it was hilarious, but it no. is. It is. It's You're not try- done yet either.
1: No. Yeah,
0: no, you've got to finish, right?
1: What? Oh no, no. The so, tiger king. oh, so it, real quick. Um, in my disaster planning of life, um, so we we've been trying to watch like an episode at night, you know, just watch. So last night we started the episode. I think it was there's what eight episodes in the thing or seven.
0: I can't remember exactly, how many, but I think it's like I, seven or eight.
1: Yeah, I think it's seven. So I think we started episode five last night. I fell asleep somewhere in it. I don't know where, and you know how Netflix is. It just keeps playing. So my wife says she woke up this morning. She looked and said, we watched them all. And I'm like, no, there's no way I watched them all. I know I fell asleep during that. So now I gotta, (laughs) I gotta figure out where we left off. Um, I know it was like the situation was, uh, well, disaster planning. Um, I remember, um, Joe exotic selling off a bunch of tigers for money because he needed money. And then that was it. I don't remember anything after that. So
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that show is, yeah. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon, even though I've watched it twice. It's a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Hey, so what's this
1: next one we're going to talk about?
0: Well, the next one, Brian is, uh, stay calm and provide stable performance. So this is crucial because we've talked about before how leaders are, you're, you're the one being looked at, right? So in a crisis situation, effective leaders, stay calm and are steady performers even under heavy workloads and uncertain conditions, because remaining steady under crisis conditions contribute to effectiveness because it helps team members cope with the situation. So if I'm calm, my team should you know, feel some sense of calm. If I'm panicky, believe me, it's going to spill over onto the team leader. It's just the way it is. You as a leader in a crisis situation have to keep your head. You have to remain calm. The group members will be reassured by this. And they're going to, you know, they're going to be hopeful or they're going to believe that things are going to work out. And uh, so I, I think that that's why staying calm and being stable, Brian, super important in a crisis situation. You know, we talked about uh, in the, if you think back all the way back to the quiz, right, being cool and calm under pressure. that That's one of the kind of not the exact wording of the question, but it's similar. And that's what you're looking for as a leader in a crisis. Is just uh, can you maintain your cool? under pressure because honestly i don't know i've been in situations where you kind of lose your cool you know (laughs) yes we'll use a a sports you know situation you know it's the end of the game you're down three they got the ball and that's when you make a stupid foul oh yeah because you could feel the pressure of the clock ticking you know you have to get the ball back somebody's going to commit you know odds are a stupid foul that is going to call could cost you all the game because they didn't remain cool under pressure, right? So just kind of an idea using sports. I know we've been talking a lot about COVID today and hurricanes and stuff. And I thought I'd lighten it up just a little bit. I have two great examples
1: of that. Staying calm. I mean, amazing examples. One was the sports. I'll let you share on both. Yeah, well, you're gonna let me. Thank you, thank you, buddy. <laughs> I'm the one that edits it. I can edit your yeah. words completely out. No, um, so staying calm. And um, if you think about it, if you remember when the Fab Five, we're talking about Chris Weber oh, and his yes. group, right? And you made that comment about sports. It automatically, like, my brain clicked straight into when he called that timeout. And I hope it, he doesn't uh, he, yeah, he definitely doesn't. Um, I hope. Well, I wish he did. Maybe comment on this, and then people would be like, "Oh, I wonder what that's like." And then we get a bunch of people to listen. You know, um, uh, no, but you think about it. He called that timeout. That was that really messed things up. Instead of staying calm and and knowing and being aware of the situation, um, the second example, I think it's near and dear to both of our hearts. I think, um, to me, it's an emotional event, uh, for you and I, uh, that. I'm glad we saw through it. Um, I feel like, and you think it's you think it's something else, and it I, I know it's not that. You're going to laugh once you're going to be like, oh, I thought it was going to be blah, right. blah, blah,
0: blah. It is get. not
1: what you think it is. I'm just saying, when, when we talk about earlier about preventive crisis through disaster planning, you can't tell me Batman was not on point when he had the shark repe- repellent spray. Come on. <laughs> and he bat stayed calm. Spray. Yeah, man. Adam West, 1960s Batman movie. Come on, man. He had the bat repellent spray on hand. He
0: planned. <laughs> <laughs> to get that shark off his leg. He stayed I'm so calm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just visualizing Adam West now with that puppet on his leg <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. but he stayed calm right and he oh, was he's providing he did. And, and and robin was providing the stable performance of holding <laughs> that aircraft in place while they without this was all going yeah on. so i'm just yeah. i mean you thought it was something else though didn't you
0: i i don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> i mean
1: we could dive but into you know, that we have time for it no one oh no no not many people have heard. We, we at some point ed we're going to have to dive into the the reason of Haley hill
0: no well we've we've
1: dabbled in it we've never actually gone into the story i think that's Uh, i think that's a show for the future and we'll work off a theme because i think there's a lot to learn from that entire situation
0: you just gave me an idea for a show that i will share with you later ah good (laughs) idea yeah but uh you know using your batman and robin uh, because as you know you know as a lot of people know we are both huge batman fans yes right But using Batman and Robin. So one thing Batman always did though. Hey, hold on, he on, hold, on hold on, hold on, hold on. I,
1: I want to back you up there a second. Cause right. I think that's funny that you said about we're both Batman fans. I'm not the one standing in the middle of a store feeling up bags to find a Batman toy. Okay.
0: All right. So anybody who knows <laughs> no, no, I'm Lego scared, okay. knows you have to feel the bag to feel the points of Batman's ears. <laughs> and you can feel and Batmite to yeah. get the uh the little minifig. Yeah. Lego, it's catching on, man. I've been watching that Lego Master with Batman himself, Will Arnett, hosting it. I've been motivated. Oh, I haven't <laughs> seen that yet. Is that good? Uh, it was Star Wars this week. They had to build droids. You might want to catch up. The final is this coming week. So Terry Crews is on there. And yeah, it, it is really good. Okay. It's R2-D2, BB-8. Oh, yeah. I'll have to check it uh, out. Oh, it's pretty good. But now, back to Batman and Robin. <laughs> yes. So, But what Batman did is... He had a process that allowed the team, Robin, right, and Batgirl uh, later on in this 1960s show, uh, to organize themselves to make the right decisions at the right time. So if you really think about the old, especially, you know, I I like the old show the best. It's crazy. Me too. Because it was super duper cheesy. But you had Alfred, Batman, Robin, Batgirl. That's a team. And when Batman would get captured, Robin and Alfred – and or Batgirl could make decisions and that's something that Batman did that was you know it's a crisis yes it's fictional I get it but it Robin was able to stay calm and make the right decisions because of the process that Batman you know put in place within his little organized team I I like I like how you brought that you kind of brought it full circle man
1: very nice. Yeah. I used to have such a crush on Batgirl. Oh man. Anyway, I, I got her uh, I got her autograph, man. I went uh went to a Comic-Con. Uh it was the Comic-Con that I I got Adam West um autograph and um oh, you know you'll know her name, not Eartha Kit, it's the other one, Julie Newmar. Yep, Julie Newmar, Cat Catwoman. And she was there also. Um and it was Adam West,
0: uh Yvonne was the whatever her name it was Batgirl. So yeah. all I remember is Yvonne, too, from Batgirl. Yes. Maybe because my mother-in-law's name is Yvonne. Maybe that's why. Yeah. But
1: yeah. So I have her signature, and I got Adam West. I didn't get I didn't get uh, Julie Newmars. She wasn't doing him. Um, I, you could tell her health was declining then um, because, for instance, she did not walk up on stage uh, for the, the questionnaire panel. She did not walk uh, off of stage. There was a guy, this big burly dude, picked her up and carried her around. So see, I would take that job after retirement. Yeah. But it was I'll just, it was just very, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, I know we kind of sidetracked a little bit, but um, yeah, we did. I, I have to agree with you though, man. Like you, you, you can say, yeah, it's fictional, right? This is a fictional yeah. type situation. Somebody thought up the idea. Somebody went through and said, this is how we're going to go through this. To me, Ed, yeah. let's, if if you want to, peel back the onion because you know ogres have onions too um but (laughs) peel back the onion you you look at it there was a thought process went through that said hey we're going to give batman this problem we're going to give his group of people this problem and then this is a solution we're going to give because they thought through the process and they used that idea and and they kept those different all those different things about staying calm you know every time batman got him and robin got put in like some type of hourglass with the, the, all the sand was falling yeah. in on them. You know I mean? Those are, they stayed, oh. Robin, stay calm. We've got this, you know, but you think about it, you can relate that. And I think situation, and, and it's just not that show. It could be multiple things. You know, we can, we can learn from these things. Um, it's not, we're not going, you know, not everybody in the world is going to be in a situation like Marcus Luttrell. But can they learn from yeah. his heart, his dedication? Yeah, man, heck yeah! I think it's it's amazing, you know. And you still do by listening to his podcast. So, um, but yeah, I yeah. I think uh, I think those different situations kind of help us understand it. So I I don't I don't personally like to uh, take and dismiss fictional stuff because I think we can learn from it. And I think it was you that told me that you've been doing a lot more fictional reading to incorporate into your professional reading.
0: Oh, yeah, I definitely just read all seven books of, of Harry Potter. <laughs> Very nice. And there are actually, it's crazy, but if you really listen to Harry Potter or, or read Harry Potter, you pay attention to Harry Potter, especially the books, because there's a lot more detail, obviously, that's how books are. There are a lot of leadership lessons that you can pick out of Harry Potter. And that's
1: good, man. I, and that's, I mean, to me, that helps you become a transformational leader
0: ooh transformer ooh. <laughs> transformers more than meets the eye and that's what i thought of when i read number where we at number 12 right yeah we're at the yeah, end yeah number 12 we're at the end of our rope all right all right brian we'll take us home
1: so being a transformational leader during times of say a large and enduring crisis transformational leadership may be the intervention of choice Right, so you get to be able to mold and kind of change who you are. The transformational leader can often lead the organization out of its misery. Transformational leadership is likely to benefit the troubled organization both in dealing with the immediate crisis and in performing better in the long run. Uh, Ed, I could definitely tell you that I find that in most cases of any type of leadership situation, transformational leadership works. But at the same time, to me, looking at a crisis situation versus like normal day-to-day operations, the trend being in the trend, that's probably one of the most key aspects because you're actually displaying to those, the subordinates around you, to your leadership, um, to your peers, everyone, how to diversify and and, and basically, to me, kind of create that ability to adjust to the the given problem. So. I'm not going to you. I'm not going to keep trying to push the square block through the circle hole. I have to learn uh, yeah. to look at all the different shapes. Okay, I'm going as a transformational leader. I'm not going to always pick up the square. I'm oh wait, the triangle may work. No, that's not going. To, that's not the that's got three points. It's this has no points. So I got to pick up the circle. You know what I mean? I mean this. That's the simplistic way to me to look at it. Um, I thought it was kind of quirky that you brought up Transformers, right? And I thought to myself, Transformers, transformational <laughs> leadership, the way that they alter their look to help blend yeah. them into the situation. Uh, but then again, they can still come out of that look to present who they are. I'm like, wow, man, Transformers. Like we are we are so on a roll with connecting movies to this. Like maybe, maybe in our pre-production planning we should have connected more <laughs> movies now that I think about part one. I'm like, maybe I should go back to part one and re-edit that. But no, I just, I find that transformational leadership, it helps in every day, but it is very important during a crisis.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely is because, you know, and I've I've harped on it the last two episodes, the ability to adapt and overcome. Yes. Um, and I think that's what a transformational leader is, is they have that ability to adapt to that given crisis Figure out the best way that they can serve the organization, and then uh, and then go to that and help overcome whatever the you know the whatever the crisis is that's facing them, and and therefore lead the organization to uh, you know a better day. We'll say, yeah. Well,
1: and I I really like what what the author has to say here a little bit further on in um, the area of transformational leadership. He talks about right here. It says. Another way a transformational leader helps a company or work unit cope with crisis is to establish a climate of trust long before a crisis strikes. If workers and other shareholders trust the leader, they will take more seriously his or her directives during the crisis. Now I'm telling you, trust is key here, right? If, if, if yeah. I'm making a decision during a crisis, I have to know that the people around me are going to trust that I'm doing the right thing. Partly to me though, Ed, part of that trust and we we'll get a little bit further down here, but part of that trust to me has to do with also of not trying to take on the entire burden myself, not trying to be the answer to all the questions. To you know, when when we go back and we'll review those questions again at the very end as part of um I'm going to little hint, hint, part of the, your task is reviewing the questions, but we're going to review those questions. And I think part of that trust comes to the, you know, can you help relate to a situation and and, and to, to relieve somebody of uh, of some type of crisis they're in? You know, that's one of the key things of trust. Are you able to rely on people and take information in that they're offering to you? That's a big part of trust. You know, and if, if you came to my office every time, right? When we had a problem back, let's, we're going to go back to the academy type days. You came to my office and, and there was a problem and I listened to you, but then I totally just threw away everything you said. And, I was like, and when you walked out that door, as I like, like, as if you didn't even say it, do you think our relationship would be different than it is now?
0: Yeah, because you, you know, you would uh violated the trust tree. So yeah, it definitely would have been different because eventually I'm going to, you know, I'm not known to be the swiftest guy, but I'd eventually picked up on uh, on that. And, and I felt, you know, uh, what's the term? Some kind of way. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I think it would have been very different. Exactly. And that that to me, it's kind of like it's that idea of if, if I rely upon you, you're going to trust me a little bit more. And especially because now it, it in a sense, it's partly your problem, too you know you're taking ownership of it also because you know uh i relied upon you uh so i just i find that being that transformational leader helps uh the entire situation and we may have to look a little bit deeper down the road ed uh for shows on transformational leadership but all i know is transformers more than
0: meets the eye yeah well so so as Going through this, Brian, you know, I, the first thing popped in my head is this is obviously why we, as the Instinctive Influencers podcast, thought it was important to do an entire episode talking about trust. It's, it's why yes. we thought, you know, we talk about trust so often um, because it is important, not just in a crisis. It's important in leadership in general, but it's definitely important in a crisis. So, um, you know, I think as instinctive influencers. Yeah, we recognize this, I hope.
1: Yeah, I, I do, too, man. Um, but. <clears throat> But uh, to kind of round out this all, you know, about transformational leadership, I I can tell people that some of the main key things that you can do to help you with this, we've offered up in multiple episodes. We offered up when we went through the science of likability. We offered up a lot of information when we did Great Leaders Have No Rules. We've offered up even most recently, we did Simon Sinek, uh, some of the, from his book, leaders eat last. I, I think if you want to understand that you have to dive deeper into the subject, right? You can't just be a transformer. You have to learn about it. Then you can train learned how to be more transformational. Okay. You know, um, I, one of the key problems with problems is if you don't have multiple experience and that's a big lifelong learning thing, you don't have experience in areas you're always going to try to use the same solution for a different problem. And that's where, you know, that's where we run into the issues, man. So, um, other than that, do you have anything else on transformational leadership?
0: No, no, it was interesting. And, and everything pretty much I highlighted and noted and was like, Ooh, this is interesting. You covered. So, I I mean, this episode, we like the movies and then I think we've been really in tune. Um, Yeah. It's almost like we've been uh, doing this for a little while, Brian.
1: Uh, We've,
0: well, we're over a year. We're almost at two
1: recording wise, Ed. We're almost at two years. Yeah. If you look at it, true. Yeah. So, and, and it's, it just, how do I say, I'm surprised sometimes of how we're still invigorated to do it. It there. And I I can't, I can't sit there and say that uh, there are times that I'm, I'm, completely excited there are times i'm like oh man i so gotta do this you know and but once i get started Mm -hmm. or i start i start digging deeper into the subject or i get on the air with you i'm actually excited again i'm like oh wow yeah i there's a reason why i like doing this this is it you know so i can definitely tell you you know over the past two years it's um almost two years now it's it's been a different role road for us i mean we've you moved, I moved once, I moved a second time. Um, you are on ro- on the road a ton with your work. Um, so oh, yeah. <laughs> if I would have taken reverse all this, right? I go back and if I just wanted to think about everything in sections, I feel like we use a lot of what we talked about in last episode and this episode of crisis management in building, recording, and editing and distributing this entire show because we've we were faced with challenges and we look at it different ways and i think it's kind of helped us in that manner and i i believe that our listeners are very much in that same realm that's why they keep listening because they're like yeah that's exactly how i'm and everyone loves comfort of how other people act
0: yeah yeah and and you know we talk about familiarity it just breeds comfort so yeah 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 i'm
1: i'm definitely down with that um Other than that, hey listeners out there, you you've heard you heard us talk a lot about the crisis management. We offered up some great movies if you want to, you know, any of the National Lampoon, yeah, Great Outdoors, Great Outdoors, yeah, nineteen sixties Batman, Lone Survivor, you know, the books we've offered up. Check out different things to help you through this. Uh, But other than that, I do I wanted to say that the task for this episode, actually last episode and this episode together, is you get get in there and. I want you to ask yourself these same questions one more time. I'm going to read through them real quick. And you're going to say, agree or disagree, right? And then look at how you can become an agree or the steps and processes need to become an agree. And Ed said it in, in, in the part one of this, of this series here is that sometimes you have to play some wordplay because not everything matches. So do that. Don't do it to benefit you, but do it to be able to adjust it to your situation. Okay. So right here we go. Number one, I can make decisions and recommendations, although under extreme time pressures.
0: I stay composed when I have to deal with an urgent problem that is suddenly facing me. Three, I am almost never
1: (laughs) choke. I'm sorry. Three, I almost never choke
0: under pressure until you're reading number three. Number four, when the pressure is heavy, I can give clear direction to other people. Number five,
1: when someone else is facing a very difficult situation, I
0: am reassuring and helpful. When faced with an emergency, I can make a good decision even without all the facts I need. Seven, When facing a major problem, I quickly get the input
1: from people who might have useful suggestions for dealing with
0: the problem. If I am faced with a real mess that is mostly or partly my responsibility, I tell the truth about what happened. 9. When faced with an overwhelming problem, I can usually
1: imagine what can be done to find a solution.
0: I can change my usual work activities immediately to take care of an urgent need. So we read through those 10 little
1: uh, statements you say agree or disagree to, okay? And this is for you for like some self-development. Use that to help you along. Um, but that's the only task I have for you. Make sure you, uh, you know, share this information that you, if something you learned, share it with somebody else. Ed, if they are somebody brand new to the show, first thing is i hope this is not the first show they listen to but second how can they learn more about us
0: well that's funny brian i was just sitting here wondering how can i get people more involved and that is by telling them to go check us out on facebook instagram and twitter at 101 influence join the facebook group and be an active participant uh you know, the groups are going to only be as good as our listeners make it through your participation. And then you can also check us out at the on the interwebs. Uh, and you can see some images of us and you can meet the voices and all that great stuff. And then also wherever you download your podcast, Stitcher or Google play or whatever you use, go there, leave us a rating, leave us some comments and a review um, and, and, and just be honest with us. Hey, if there's things we can do better, tell us if there's things you really enjoy about the show, like our movie references, then tell us and we'll work on, uh, continuing those things and improving on the other things in the future.
1: Absolutely, man. Hey, I'll tell you, it was, um, I, I found, uh, the resources and the information provided, man, um, uh, you don't think about them so much, but I, I really enjoyed, uh, doing this one today, man, or actually the past two ones.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. And, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to read because of social distancing. So, you know, my wife went to grocery shop and it's one per household, uh, recommended. So she grocery shopped. I sat in the car, read over the notes you sent me, made my highlights and all my notes and, uh, took care of that today. So I was, uh, I was actually excited for this episode. I thought it was going to be good. And I really liked that we're doing something that, you know, and I, I I'm hopeful that by the time this releases it's not such a current thing. Um I I honestly believe it will still be a current issue or crisis if you will. So I think that it's very relevant to current events and I think it's interesting doing an episode, you know, really tied to a current event like the COVID-19 crisis,
1: Brian. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked by it. Um so those of you uh listening, hey, he mentioned he brought up the COVID-19 thing and don't allow just that to kind of be your, like your only crisis. There's our, uh, there's other things in life that we have to kind of deal with. Um, I would definitely tell you that if you're, if you're kind of unsure about like whether something's a crisis or not, I mean, that's when you start asking the questions. Um, One of the key things I would definitely say that if you're not doing the things that are kind of suggested, you really should jump on board. Uh, if, if if you're not wearing some type of face mask, you know you're not washing your hands and stuff, which you mm-hmm. should hardly be washing your hands no matter what. Uh, my wife, she she actually she ensures that I definitely have my Purell with me. Uh, these are just some of the small things to help protect not only myself but also my family. And to be honest, I care about everyone else's family too. So I hope that they're doing the same thing. Uh, but with my that, eyes. man, I'm 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 definitely. Hey, you know what I'm excited about getting to do, Ed? Oh, uh, what's that, Brian? You've got, you sent me that link for Patton's Principles. I'm pretty stoked yes. to get to do that book with you, man. I think that's going to be a good one down the road.
0: Yes. Uh, you know, and I like I said, when I first told you about it, I, I am a huge Patton, you know, uh, fan. He's one of my, you know, I like, I know he's got his flaws, but his granddaughter was in Sweden on her little vacation and she got stuck there at her house in Sweden. Uh, she actually lives here in belgium i believe but anyway so she got stuck there so she started posting her dad's or grandfather's principles and i was like wait a minute what are patton's principles i didn't know this was a thing and i looked up the book and bought the book and then that's when i was like this would be a good show let me let brian know about this so yeah very motivated and the idea for the show came from the granddaughter of general uh, george s patton himself so Heck yeah, man. That's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty stoked because, uh, some of the stuff
1: that we we looked at already, looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, but really, Hey, just keep listening, keep supporting. If you would, uh, we've enjoyed what we present and I'm kind of excited to see what else we're going to end up doing uh, down the road. Uh, this, this particular topic, this was a quick change. We actually had something else in his mind and it was like, no, you know what? Let's, uh, let's talk about the times, you know? So, um, you have anything left for the listeners before we go?
0: No, just be safe, and, and like Brian said, hey, let's follow the you know the, the things that the, the CDC is putting out there or the World Health Organization. Let's let's follow the recommendations, flatten the curve, and hopefully can get rid of this uh, because I want to be able to travel this summer, and I'm sure a lot of you too do too. Um, you know, I told my wife today, and, and again, Corona is very serious. But I said, but we couldn't have Corona when it's cold, and had to wait for the good weather for this to become this big pandemic when everybody wants to be outside now and go to the beach. (laughs) So, I mean, we've taken advantage. We do a little family walk, just uh, my wife and I and the dog. And actually that's something she wants to add to our routine. uh, You know, COVID or no COVID. It's been really nice uh, to do. So yeah. Nice. Get out and get some fresh air, you and your family, you know, but be safe, be safe.
1: Absolutely, man. All right, Hey, so thank you listeners for everything you do. I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influences Podcast. Remember, crisis management is a key to success as a leader. Learn how to do it. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.